0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton.
1: Okay, Dan, the Giants, I think they saved their season. Danny Jones played kind of well. So the, we know the Giants can beat the Washington football team. We know that. That's something that they've been able to prove. But, hey, they're 2-7. and seven. They're, They still might be in this thing in the NFC East race. I want to talk about that. But you're on Twitter. You feel a certain kind of way. You've been looking forward to the show. You've been looking forward to the podcast, Dan. I want to give you the floor right off the bat. Why are you looking forward so badly to this show? Go ahead. Take the floor.
2: I've been saying it for weeks. I, I've been saying just, just be patient and watch the team. You'll notice improvements. You're seeing it across the board. Uh, I think they made a big step this past week, even though, yes, it came against Washington, and, yes, you know, Daniel Jones is 4-0 against Washington in his career and only won one other game outside of that. But I've been saying it all year long, incremental steps. You know, I want to see bigger leaps. I still want to see bigger leaps, but you're not seeing regression. And even when it came to Daniel Jones this past weekend, you saw an improvement. He very well could have been hit late in that fourth quarter. Let that ball go when he was crushed from the blind side, and everybody would have just been like, oh, here we go with Danny Dimes again, fumbling the ball away, fumbling the game away. That's not what happened, and that's a substantial moment for the Giants this season. It's a substantial moment for Jones in his career, and it could be the catapult that pushes him over that hump that he's been stuck at for a little while now. So yeah, I think as a Giants fan, yes, it's 2-7. Yes, it, it hasn't exactly been pretty every game has been close, but I've been, you know, like I've said multiple times, they're fighting for judge, they're fighting week in, week out, they're playing hard, nobody can look at this team, watch the film, watch these games and say, they're not a competitive football team. They are, and now they've positioned themselves to potentially make an interesting run at the end of this season. Oh my god, there might be a path and we're going to talk about that here coming up. There might be a path to the NFC
1: East title. <laughs> Believe it or not, there there might be. Uh So we want to get into that, but yeah, I 100% agree with you, Dan. The Giants are not the Jets. they got something going you know they, they're not they're not the Jets they're the Jets are an embarrassment but I want to I don't want to waste their time talking about the freaking Jets but it could be worse it could be worse and the Giants are definitely it seems like they're trending in the right direction the coaching even the quarterback play I, I'll concede a little bit of that but speaking of that Dan there, I, this almost reminds me of the Twilight saga like you got two different sides like you got two teams you got team dimes and I think you're the captain of team dimes you've been carrying this card you're not giving up on Daniel Jones you think Danny dimes is uh is it's too early to pull the plug. You're actually in his corner. You're saying Daniel Jones should be the guy for the Giants. Let's build around him. He's continuing to show signs that he can be a starting quarterback and you actually said he could be one of the upper echelon quarterbacks if we just give him a chance. But there's also team draft, right? There's the other side. The team draft the, the people that think Daniel Jones is not the guy and that the Giants should draft someone in this 2021 draft at least to push Jones in the preseason of 2021 and see if maybe Jones is not the guy and there's a future replacement for him at quarterback of the New York Giants. So team dimes, team draft You've been kind of arguing with Giants fans a little bit on Twitter. It's been an interesting back and forth because there, there are a lot of people on the draft side, right, team draft, that are mm-hmm. are kind of out on Daniel Jones. But Dan, I got to tell you, you are coming to Daniel Jones' defense. You're on Twitter defending him, and I just got to give you all the props and respect to the world. However, all these points you make about Jones, right, like the other side can have has a counterattack, and that's what makes the, uh, the Twitter fights and the Twitter back and forth so much fun. Like, you talk about the Daniel Jones holding onto the football when he got, cracked in the back on that blindside hit and that was tremendous play not fumbling the football I agree with you 100 but Dan the drive before didn't Daniel Jones just drop the football in the backfield he was lucky to pick it back up right so that's the other well, side of it you I,
2: can- I, I was hoping that that play would get brought up because we've <laughs> had this conversation before when it comes to the Giants on offense and their turnover issues whether it's specific to Daniel Jones or not specific to Daniel Jones you've heard me say this before Evan Ingram is involved in those situations, on a fifty percent clip, <laughs> who missed his block on that particular play that the ball got knocked out of Daniel oh, Jones' hand? Was it Ingram? It was Ingram <laughs> okay, again, okay, okay. and that came after two drops in the game too. So okay, so you're not so again. So see, but Dan, I love
1: it. So there's always a comeback on the other side, but you're always like, hey, man, it's not <laughs> Daniel Jones' fault. Don't mess with my boy. So hey, so what? what do you like the most from the quarterback in this game?
2: Honestly, he he really, and I'm listen. I'm not a big game manager kind of guy, I, and all due respect to players like Alex Smith, who I have the utmost respect for I you know I root for that guy when he's not playing the Giants but Daniel Jones for the first time in his career really managed the game well. He was making his reads quickly. He wasn't staring down his receivers. He's made that adjustment. He obviously, like I said, he took the big hit, and that's a hit that 99% of the quarterbacks in the NFL are going to fumble that ball. So people can say, you know, he's dropped the ball a million times in those situations. You know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, maybe so, but, you know, everybody was screaming for this need to see an improvement, and when you come to Daniel Jones, his number one crux is his Issues. So the fact that he was able to hold on to that ball really, to me, kind of felt like, all right, maybe this kid can finally turn that corner. But beyond that, like I said, he did a really great job managing the game. He was going through his reads, his progressions very quickly. He was getting the ball out of his hand quickly. He seemed to be moving you know, better in the pocket, had a better feel in a lot of the cases for what was coming, when he had to move, step up, etc. So I thought he just did a great job all around. But I think above all else, what really impressed me this past weekend, and granted, there were a few instances that I I would like to nitpick over, but overall, I feel like he did a great job coming up to the line of scrimmage, looking at what the defense was doing, figuring out where the blitzes were coming from, where the pressures were coming from, whether it was man zone, etc., and making the necessary audibles. And in many of those different cases, especially where you heard him say "Eli, Eli," Omaha, Omaha, and, and you know he was he was calling out the audibles. The Giants would go on, if you go back and watch the film, to make big gains. On each of those plays, and I think that's the biggest sign of development for Daniel Jones this past weekend is his ability to get up to the line, not necessarily in shotgun, which is where he's played most of his football, but to get under center, make the reads, make the audibles, and then make the good play. I think that was a huge step in the right direction as far as his development goes. He almost completed every single pass in that second
1: half. He was very good in the second half, which which I think
2: hey, was... eleven of eleven of twelve. Guess guess what the
1: twelfth was? Ingram's drop. I know. I know. Yes. <laughs> I know <laughs> you're yes. we going with that, Dan. Uh, but however, and he did it, right? Without one of his best receivers, Golden mm-hmm. Tate, in the lineup. Where was Golden Tate? His wife was mad on Instagram. He, he does, his wife doesn't think uh, Golden's getting targeted enough. Seems like Golden Tate must be signing off on that. Joe Judge tells him, you're not playing in this ballgame. Don't even make the trip, right? And it makes me wonder, Dan, like, why why didn't they move Tate at the deadline? Like, I think a lot of teams would have been in on a Golden Tate kind of player. Uh, It seems like he's kind of disgruntled, and
2: it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him now going forward. Well, that is curious, you know, and I've rattled that around in my head a little bit, and I'm I'm not exactly sure why they would not trade him at this point. The guy clearly doesn't seem like he wants to be in East Rutherford. He's angry. He's screaming at the cameras. His wife is going off. They have obviously got some, you know, you know, behind-the-scenes issues. The only conclusion that I can come to, and this is, you know, this is just an assumption, is that Judge and Tate had a man-to-man at some point along the way, and they aired, you know, these discrepancies out. Judge made it clear that Tate is going to be disciplined. He's just going to have to deal with it, whether that was practicing on the scout team all week or sitting home. He's back at the facilities now. Judge says it's business as usual. I think, and again, this is an assumption, you know, just based on what happened at the trade deadline, the players they kept, uh, the reasons behind keeping them that Judge has alluded to, too. Uh It seems like he really does just like the team that he's got for the most part, and that includes Tate, even though Tate is disgruntled. And the hope from, you know, Judge's perspective is that this discipline will do the job. Tate will back, round back into shape as a, as a team player. And and the reality is, is he is a talented player when you get the ball in his hands. He's not been so much this year, but, you know, historically throughout his career, he's a guy that, you know, racks up the yards there for the catch. And I, and I think that's something that would benefit and should benefit uh, this Giants offense. And, you know, maybe it it was Judge, not Gettleman, who was pulling the strings on this, and you know decided to keep Tate uh, in house despite the issues. It's an interesting storyline to follow, no doubt. So the Giants
1: go into that game at Washington with one win. They were the they were last place in the NFC, <laughs> last place in the conference. <laughs> now they're two and seven. And is there a path for them to win the NFC East? I want to explore that with Dan. We'll do that coming up next.
0: Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit up, start up. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com.
3: I'm Corey Benini of the Huddle.com, here to talk to you about strong plays for week 10 of the fantasy football season. This one might be a no brainer, but coming off of his bye, Jared Goff versus the Seattle Seahawks. Just about everybody is a must-start against Seattle's defense. Even if you remove five rushing touchdowns against Seattle by quarterbacks, no team has given up more than the 372 and a half yards per game allowed by this team. The blueprint is clear on how to beat Seattle. Pass and pass a lot. Washington running back J.D. McKissick goes to the Detroit Lions, his former employee from the 2019 season. He knows the defense well and has practiced against it extensively. McKissick benefits from Alex Smith taking over for Kyle Allen as the quarterback in Washington. It's no fluke that he played so well in the last couple games and he faces a defense that has given up the most yards per game to the position via the pass. Look for another double-digit day in PPR scoring for McKissick. Going back to the Seattle-Los Angeles matchup, David Moore of the Seahawks is hard to get away from him. The level of defensive scrutiny paid towards D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett has Moore finding the end zone with surprising regularity. has scored consecutive games and has four touchdowns in the last five outings. The only problem is when he's bad, he's so bad that he shouldn't even be anywhere near a fantasy lineup. That said, with all of the attention paid to the star receivers around him, Moore is worth playing in fantasy football action in Week 10. Another guy with an inconsistent target share is tight Trey Burton of the Indianapolis Colts. He faces the Tennessee Titans, a defense that's given a five touchdowns to the position in eight games, including two over the last four weeks. In the recent window, three guys have posted at least 11 PPR points, and all three of those guys had six pass receptions. Even if he doesn't find the end zone, there's a pretty good chance that he's relevant in fantasy. Gamers could do worse, especially if they've lost somebody like Zach Ertz or George Kittle to injury. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com.
1: All right, Dan. I think this is going to be a uh, fruitful exercise. Now, with the Giants being two and seven, they're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs by any stretch of the imagination. There's there might actually be a path for the New York Giants to be the number four seed in the NFC, despite being two and seven. You got to hear me out here. First of all, let's agree. First off, that the wild card spot not in play, right, Dan? So it's got to be a division no. title. We no. agree there, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, cool. So let's start week 10 versus Philadelphia, and if we're going to talk about a path to the playoffs, this has got to be a W. It absolutely, absolutely has to. This is a must-win. Eagles 3-4-1. and They have the win in
2: hand over the Giants. There's literally no path without the Giants beating Philly, correct? Absolutely. I mean, listen, if they lose to Philly, this whole pie-in-the-sky dream playoffs <laughs> is pretty much over. It would take a miracle at that point. Uh, I don't see it happening. So you know, right out of the gate, this is a play off game they have to win
1: 100 i agree with you i think joe judge uh, is showing us a little something daniel jones played a good game last week the team is clearly playing for him so for the sake of the exercise we're going to give the giants a w over the eagles going into their bye week in week 11 so week 12 interesting little matchup at the bengals right daniel jones up against joe burrow like that's kind of an interesting little one the bengals they're pretty good burrow's having a good season what do you think about this game dan is this a w or is this an l for the giants at bengals week 12 i
2: I think it certainly can be a W. Uh, I don't think it's guaranteed by any stretch of the imagination. I think what the Giants have going in their favor in that particular game is that they play really great defense. Well, uh, let me scale that back slightly. They play very good defense. Yeah. Uh, If they could shore up their issues at the end of the first half and the second half, I think they could take themselves from being a good defense to a great defense. They are getting better. They're shutting down the run across the board at this point. If they could find and establish somebody good at the second cornerback, position i'd be a little less wary of games like this but i certainly think that joe burrow is going to see some things coming from patrick graham that he's probably never before seen in his entire career at any level so just that rookie inexperience and the giants defense playing as well as it's playing right now i think the offense will do just enough to make that game competitive and i think the giants can walk away with a win
1: Right, because we're, we're talking about, for the sake of the exercise, the Giants have beaten the Eagles in this scenario and then went into their bye week with a little momentum, so they had extra time to prepare for this yep. Bengals team.
2: Exactly, and then you got the extra week, so yeah.
1: So it's a W. It's a W. Let's give the Giants I, a W, I, Dan. I Look at this. We're already 4-7, and seven, climbing towards 500 here. So week 13, the Giants entering a road game at Seattle. The Seahawks' defense is freaking terrible. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm not giving them a win over the Seahawks. You got to give them a loss there. What do you
2: think? I'm with you on this one. Listen, we we could debate the merits of the defense all day long. That's a W. I mean, that's a, that's an L rather. Let's let's just move on to the next one. We got to move on. Russell Wilson
1: versus Danny Jones. He's not there yet. No matter if you're on Team no. Dimes or Team Draft,
2: he's not. I, I there I don't care yet. how good the Giants' defense is either. They're not gonna. You're not gonna shut down Russell Wilson right now. Okay, agreed.
1: Agreed. So that's that's four and eight. So that brings us to Week 14, home against the Cardinals. Interesting game. I think this is kind of a coin flip, if we're being honest. I think the Giants could actually maybe be favored at
2: home, maybe by a point, a point and a half. What do you mm-hmm. think, right off the top of your head? Giants, Cardinals. Well, I mean, New York. the personnel on each side is is slightly different, but not dramatically different from a season ago. And the Giants had that one in hand. They will have the benefit of being the home team, whether or not they have fans at that point. We'll see. Um, it would certainly help if they did, but ultimately, I agree with you. I think it's a coin flip. But again, it's a, it's a very winnable game. It's probably going to be close, like every other game they play this year. But you know, just looking at it on paper, especially if they're on a little bit of a, a, a win streak there, 3-1 over their previous four. I think they have the momentum. I think they win that game too. Okay, it's it's close. And I think okay, so we have Week 14 versus the Cardinals, Week 15
1: versus the Browns. Those are two coin flips, right? I, what do you think? Should we split yeah, those I, two? I, I say let's split those. Let's give them a win and a loss. What do you think about that?
2: Well, I, I think the absence of Odell Beckham Jr. in that game is actually going to play into the Giants' hand pretty considerably. Mm-hmm. He is what made me nervous. I mean, we could split him for the sake of Argument. In the next game ahead, going to Baltimore, they're certainly going to lose. So I'm of the belief that the Giants can't really afford to split those games. Yep. If they have that path to the playoffs, they're going to have to beat Cleveland. They if they lose to Cleveland and go into Baltimore. And they have to beat Baltimore to keep things alive. My confidence level <laughs> drops considerably at that point. No so doubt. if we're gonna if we're gonna flip those coins, I'm gonna take the win over over uh, Cleveland and, and the loss to Baltimore.
1: And I agree with you. Week 16 at Baltimore, they're either five and nine or what six and eight going into that game, yeah. depending on if they. And, see
2: and against it. the Browns, when you're looking at your calendar and you know you've got Baltimore next, it's the equivalent of a, of a playoff game anyway. 100 percent. 100 percent. Yeah. So you've got you've got to beat Cleveland at that point because, you know, the odds of going into Baltimore and beating Lamar Jackson and the Ravens is just not it's
1: good. it's not happening they're gonna lose that week 16 game at Baltimore week 17 home against Dallas I really believe the Cowboys will be more interested in their draft slot I think the Giants win that ball game no doubt week 17 so I think Dan where I'm at is they're either gonna be six and ten or seven and nine it depends on if they win some of these coin flip games mm-hmm. six and yep. ten could that get it done maybe seven and nine I think they in got this, a real shot at seven
2: and nine um I' feel very confident about the uh you know especially if you win all those division games you win all those division games yep. you you lose against you know the quality teams that aren't really going to Especially like losing to the Ravens in the AFC, as in terms of tiebreakers, you're going way far down the line at that point, to the point where it's almost irrelevant. So yeah, you win those division games, you win those other games, you you lose to the Ravens, you lose to the Seahawks, which hurts a little bit uh, as far as the tiebreakers go. But I don't think it's going to go that far down the line. So at seven and nine, I think it, it's almost a guarantee to win the NFC East at this point. At six and ten, as bizarre it is, you you could still see that happen again, especially if you win all of those divisional games. Right.
1: I don't think the Giants control their own destiny so part of the path is philadelphia as well so we're gonna do the same thing for the eagles we'll do that coming up next
0: it's that time again for the line of the week the inside track to the favorites the underdogs and the over-unders i think i want my money back now here are jeff clark and esten mclaren from usa today's sportsbook wire
4: Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark as always to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 10 Monday Night Football game between the Minnesota Vikings and Chicago Bears. The Vikings are two and a half point road favorites, minus 115 odds. Bears, minus 106 to cover plus 2.5 at home. Over under of 44 and a half, minus 110 odds on either side of that. Jeff, Vikings coming off a couple of great performances. Are they back on track? And the Chicago Bears, can they bounce back from an ugly loss against the Tennessee Titans last week? Oh, I think they're going to bounce back. This is a great spot for the Bears, getting points at home. Kirk Cousins is 0-3 straight up and against the spread versus Chicago since joining the Minnesota Vikings. And they've done a really good job bottling up Dalvin Cook. He's played against the Bears in uh, three games. He's got 47 touches with 140 total yards and one touchdown in those three games. And Kirk Cousins, we all know how he struggles in Monday Night Football. Um, he's got an 0-9 record in Monday Night Football. Give me the Bears plus points. I'm on the Vikings. They're back to 3-5 and five on the year. A couple of big divisional wins against Green Bay Packers and Detroit Wyans last two weeks. They make it three in a row. Dalvin Cook is right there in the MVP race. Vikings minus 2.5. They win by three. Subscribe to Best and Podcast on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review.
1: Okay, Dan, so for the sake of the exercise, we're gonna call the Eagles three, five, and one after losing to the Giants this coming week, okay? Because that's this is what the mm-hmm. exercise is. So the, the Eagles are three, five, and one. Week eleven
2: at Cleveland. Just like the Giants. That's a toss-up game for the Eagles for sure. I agree. It's what a toss-up. Think? Um being in Cleveland could, you know, benefit Cleveland it's be a little bit. But game. for the same Yeah, for the same reasons that I kind of give the Giants the nod in this one, I think a lot of the injuries, Baker Mayfield's wild inconsistency, at times even regression. Um I, I think Cleveland. Cleveland, I mean, uh, Philadelphia, especially if they're coming off a loss, the Giants are going to realize that if they lose that game, they lose control of their own destiny at that point. So I'm going to give Philly the, the nod in that one, as much as I, I don't want to.
1: Oh, Dan, you're killing our path. You're killing our path giving the Eagles a W. Okay, we'll give them the W there, but we're just going to rattle off. Week 12 home against the Seahawks week 13
2: loss at, next yeah. week 13 at the Packers loss next
1: week 14 home against the
2: Saints I and again I think that's another loss, loss. I think they're going to lose 3 in a row right there and loss, that's loss, where, loss, the, right? where the Giants step in
1: yeah, 100% so going into week 15 at Arizona another toss up game that I would lean Arizona in I think you know if I'm if I'm a betting man you
2: know the I think could. from a yeah from from a defensive perspective which is where I think you might be going with that I think in that particular matchup, whereas the Giants have the advantage on defense, I actually think that Philadelphia, based on the way that they played, are at a disadvantage in Arizona against Kyler Murray.
1: Right. So let's let's give them a loss there. So I think we're at four nine and one for the Eagles going at Dallas, and, th- and that's going to be the key. Week sixteen and week seventeen, the Eagles finish up at Dallas and then home against the Washington football team. Eagles split yep. those games. They're five ten and one, and that means yep.
2: six- I, even and again, even if they even if they do manage to win in Arizona, uh, there's just something about the eagles when it comes to playing dallas and washington <laughs> yep, I, uh, yep. make things strange especially this year or so even if they do win uh, in week 15 against arizona and you know we're looking down in the barrel at those final two games i would not be confident giving the eagles both of those wins so dan the, the sake of the exercise tells us this
1: the eagles could easily finish five ten and one maybe six nine and one so if the giants can mm-hmm. get to six or seven wins there's a path. There's a path to this. there is
2: a path. It very well may come down to to the the final, you know, weekend or weekend of the season. You you're going to have Washington, uh who who even could be backing it themselves at that point uh, against the Eagles and and the Giants versus Dallas who I think at this point is a train wreck, and probably the worst team in the NFC East. All right, real quick, final word on uh
1: Giants-Eagles this week, what needs to happen for them to get? Because the path is, uh, they screw us over, Dan, if they don't win this ball game. so what do they got to do to win it?
2: Evan Ingram needs to catch the ball that Yes, yes in that, would, that would help. For the win, and uh, I really think that's about it. Again, they just need to play mistake-free football. They need to continue the balance on the offensive side of the ball. They need to continue to create pressure. Listen, if you create pressure on Wentz, for as much as we want to knock Daniel Jones for being a turnover machine, Wentz will unload some of the most ridiculous playground throws that you've ever seen and he's good for at least three or four of them a game. You make them turnovers and the Giants can win this game and I think that's really what you need to do. Balance on offense, create the turnovers via pressure on defense and establish the run and stick to it. I I don't want to see the Giants do what they've done in every other game that they've had a lead this year though and that's get extremely conservative on both sides of the ball. You saw it against Washington. It's maddening. Graham and Garrett both tend to get a little too conservative. Keep your foot on the pedal. Go, go, go put points on the board. Don't scale it back. That's going to get you in trouble every single time. Be aggressive,
1: Jason Garrett, but retire the flea flicker, please. Just retire that play. Yes, please. Stop doing that. How many times do we see
2: that this year that almost blows up? (laughs)
1: Oh my God, the flea flicker. The Giants are the worst flea flicker
2: team I've ever seen. (laughs) Retire that play, Dan. Yeah, please. Please, I'm with you on that one. (laughs) Even when they do actually get the ball down the field, it develops so slowly every single time. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Retire that play. (laughs) Retire it and then Dan
1: Good luck to you on Twitter. You, you got to be the captain for Team Dimes, okay? So continue to, to do your thing on Twitter. Go up against everybody else. Coming up against your quarterback. Don't let them get to you, all right, my man?
2: <laughs> I love throwing the analytic argument in their in their faces. It's one of my, one of my joys. Uh, you know, after years of hearing about how Dave Gettleman ignores analytics, now these fans don't want to hear anything that has to do with analytics when it comes to Daniel Jones. So that's super fun. I love that.
1: All right, my man. Hey, enjoy the playoff game this week. Giants-Eagles, let's go.
2: Yeah, hopefully we come back. Next week, and we're we're talking about that path.
0: This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast. Inside the Weekly Line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast.